All right, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. You guys glad to be here? Awesome. Look at that. Yeah, we're talking about complaining today. So that was a good start. I appreciate that. Because the fact that we're having to talk about complaining is just terrible. It's just not good, right? I mean, it's terrible that we have to address this issue. It's easy to complain. Um, but whenever I was asked to be able to bring the sermon today and I found out that it was on complaining, I was like, all right, finally, I've got one that I'm not like, it's really hard to to decipher what was going on with all of the Old Testament stuff and all that. And, and I'm like, I'm good at not complaining. I mean, I think, like, because I'm Mr. Positivity. My family would tell you that I'm like Mr. Overly Optimistic sometimes. I can try to find the good in all of it. And I'm always, I'm kind of a coach type of person. So I'm like always like, it's going to be all right. We're going to do it. And it's like, no, but the dog died. I'm like, oh, no, but we can get another one. And they're like, whatever. So whenever... I decided um, that I, whenever I was like, okay, I get to do this, you know, in typical God fashion, this landed on moving week for me. Yes, I moved homes this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, like packed up, moved from a bigger house to a smaller house, and it was a great idea, it just fell on this week, but really, when it comes to moving, it can suck every ounce of positivity out of your life, period. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, because moving is like, you start packing because you want to pack soon. Like, you want to pack enough so you can get everything together. But if you pack it too soon, then you need stuff that you were supposed to have and you can't find it. But then if you pack too late, then you're just throwing everything in like trash bags and random boxes and you don't know where anything's going and what's happening. Oh, and by the way, we moved, like, Tuesday we packed up a lot of stuff, moved a little bit of stuff. Wednesday was like our movers came. Yeah, 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 Wednesday, remember Tornado Siren Day? Yeah, that one, right? Um, so literally, <laughs> they came up to me, they're like, we can move during anything, rain, sleet, whatever. And then the tornado sirens went up, and they're like, hey, boss, what do you want us to do? I'm like, I don't know, you're the expert here, you know? Uh, there's tons of things that happen during moving that, I mean, I walked into one of my rooms one time, you know, because you kind of aimlessly walk around and my wife and daughter are like looking at memories and they're like crying and laughing and doing stuff. And, and I'm like, come on, let's get it going. But then I go into the garage and I find the portable ping pong thing that we didn't found, like a net. And then I bring it into the dining table and we put it on the dining table and we play ping pong pretty much all the time. We just, that's what we did. We just love playing ping pong, but we procrastinated because why do you want to move? Moving is terrible. It just takes the miscellaneous stuff at the end is just a piece of work. And then we double closed. So we closed on a house and then we were trying to close on the other house that we were buying. And so, you know, the lender wants to know your 20 page history on like every check that you've ever written. And then you the title wants to make sure that they have like your first child as like collateral for your life for the house. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where it just all encompassing, it's just not a great experience. And so needless to say, I found myself complaining a lot, or if not complaining, grumbling, right? Just like kind of under my breath, like, oh, where's this? Where is this? I can't find the kids. What are they doing? Why are we not doing this? I, there's no way I'm going to get all this done. You know, it just, there was so much grumbling and complaining. So I, I get it, all right? Today, I want you to go ahead and talk to your neighbor. Just go ahead and tell him, like, I, I'm a complainer too. Say it. I'm a complainer too. And then look at the other neighbor and be like, 
Well, it's probably because if you didn't choose, if you chose one, you probably didn't choose the other. And the other person, the other neighbor is probably the kind of maybe complainer or annoying one and say like, I complain, but not as much as you. So tell the other neighbor, I complain, but not as much as you. There you go. All right. <laughs> Complaining, it just happens. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Philippians chapter two, and we're going to look at what we can do with complaining. What does God's word say about uh, Philippians chapter 2? We're going to be in verse 12 through 16. Um, and that's on page 666. Yes, it is. So there's that. Um, anyways, so just turn there, please. All right, Philippians chapter 2. Verses 14, I just want to read that right off the bat. And it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. So to recap, what do we complain about? Nothing. All right, well, that's good. That about sums it up. Doesn't leave much wiggle room. We should probably just pray and leave, right? That's the sermon that preaches itself. Golly, I mean, like, everything? I mean, okay, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Well, let's look at actually the context. Let's look at verse 12. Let's read through 16 to see what Paul is talking about again. Um, so Paul is in jail here uh, again. He's always in jail for some reason. Um, and he, he loves the people of Philippi. I mean, he wants to send them this encouraging note to keep the faith. And so this is what he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless and a crooked and perverted generation, among you, among whom you shine like the stars in the world, holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial, serv sacrificial service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. All right. So do everything without grumbling and complaining because God is at work. So here is the takeaway from today. All right. If you're taking notes, this is a good place to start. Complaining does not work. Complaining doesn't work. Now, if we're looking at this from the positivity and the negativity, if we're looking at it from those perspectives, which that's great, that's not how I want us to continue to look at this this morning. I want us to look at this through the lens of the gospel, okay? Because it's not about just being positive and being negative. It's about the gospel, and it's about what God is doing and what he's talking through Paul to be, for us to be able to, to move towards the purposes of God. So he does do everything without grumbling and complaining. So therefore... Complaining doesn't work. Well, why does it not work? Well, because God is at work. God is at work. 
And he is at work in you. He's at work in me. He's at work in this world. And he's trying to, uh, trying to show us and trying to bring about his characteristics. He's trying to produce goodness in this world. He's trying to, to make things whole. He's trying to make things right. He is, um, he's producing a fruit in our life that, that is good, that just doesn't just last for now, but lasts for eternity. So complaining doesn't work. Why? Because God is at work. And he's producing in you and in me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He's, he's producing these things in our life. But the problem is, is complaining's just too fun. I mean, we just do it all the time. It's easy. It connects us. I mean, I was back in the green room back there, and we were talking this morning, and I, honestly, because I'm preaching, all I could hear was, we're complaining, this is crazy, you know, how much do we do it? Well, we just do it all the time. Why? It's because it's like eating a pound of bacon. It's like smoking cigars. It's about, it's pretty much like anything that we, we like that's fun, that's good, that tastes good, that, that feels good, whatever, it's, it's awesome until it's not, right? If you don't think sin is fun, you're not doing it right. I mean, ultimately, that's what our flesh wants. That's what we desire. So complaining doesn't work, but we do it anyways. That's exactly where the enemy wants us. We complain about the weather. It's too hot. It's too cold. There's tornadoes. There's Texas weather's tripolar. There's, it brings about allergies. I can't get over it. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's what we complain about what we have, what we don't have. We complain about health insurance. We complain about car insurance. I got a 17-year-old who drives a car. It's terrible. I have to pay that much for car insurance. Uh, we, we complain about what our kids listen to. I mean, if I have to listen to Baby Shark one more time or, you know, Old Town Road, you know, what is that? You know, or what, what, why did this kid treat my kid this way? Or how, why did the, I can't believe the coach didn't play my kid. I can't believe the coach does. Wait, how dumb is that coach? You know, it's just easy for us to be able to, uh, to complain. We complain about our health, what we eat, get in shape. I was at the gym. This lady was like, um, if somebody says that a minute goes quick, uh, try running on a treadmill. They sure have never ran on a treadmill before. And she kept going and she was like, I mean, in order for you to get in shape, you have to eat more than one healthy meal. You know, I mean, it was like, it's easy for us to be able to complain, right? Because things are hard. Life is hard. I mean, taxes, like property taxes. What is that? Why do they go up? Right? You can just keep fuming. I mean, we, we, can, we can just go on for days about what we complain about, why we complain about it, how we complain. It's just easy for us to complain. Why? Because we do it, because it's natural for us. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to have us. If you look at it from a scientific perspective, our brain, it loves efficiency. And so what we feed our brain, it just creates these highways. It creates these bridges and these neurons start to come together. And they, they don't want to, your brain doesn't want to, uh, create like temporary bridges to certain things. They create permanent highways. So that's why we, we have addictions. That's why we, we continually, like once we start moving in a direction, it's easier to continually to move in that direction. So Stanford Research did uh, some research on what they call your, your, uh, your hippocampus, which is a part in your medial temporal lobe that 
it talks about problem solving and, and it, it helps you with intelligent thought. Okay, that pretty much sums up everything. And it said, uh, in this Stanford research, it says, as we complain, the more that we complain, um, the, the worse that our problem solving and our intelligent thought gets. And it, it not only does it show this by how it affects our brain, but that hippocampi, it actually shrinks in volume uh, as we do it, the more that we do it. And it also says that people who struggle with depression, that their, their, hip, their uh, hippocampi, that it, it, it has about like 15 to 20% shrinkage in volume. So it's just a practical thing too, that complaining, the grumbling, that it just, it affects not just you, it affects me, it affects the people around us. Why? Because, well, the word complaining, uh, the root word is uh, plangir, which means to, to beat or to strike. And so anyone who you've been around who grumbles or complains, like the word grumble itself just kind of has that, like, you don't use words, right? It's just kind of an attitude that you walk around with that you just, you're upset and something's wrong and just something's not right and blah, blah, blah. And you can't really understand why that it is that way, but that's just the way that it is. That's why you call somebody a beatdown, like, oh, there's just a beatdown to be around. Probably because they complain or they argue or they talk about the same thing over and over again right? Because you, you complain. Now, now, on the other side of that, well, last week, Pastor Craig talked about gossip. And wh- the way that he explained gossip, he says, it's just like these whisperings that, that, that happen that, that they're pointed towards people, and you prove yourself untrustworthy in the way that you, you point them and direct them at people, and that it's, it's malicious. Well, the difference between gossip and grumbling, grumbling is, is more of an attitude. And that attitude, it just becomes annoying after a while. And then it, it, it moves towards uh, just uh, annoying, but then it moves towards destructiveness. It, it actually destroys relationships. It destroys, it destroys your life. It destroys fun. It destroys uh, the life in abundance, life to the full. Um, I love how it says in Proverbs, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. You're not meant to be broken and dried up. Also in Proverbs, it says a nagging person or a nagging woman is like a leaky roof. Um, you know, it's, I mean, do I ever know what that means? Uh, no, not like that. My wife's right there. There's no way I would be pointing that at my wife. I actually had a leaky roof, people. All right? I'm serious. A leak went through my roof a couple weeks ago, I mean, a couple months ago. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden we hear this drip. We have some tile by this uh, fireplace. And we hear this drip, and then it just drips louder and louder, and then it's just like pouring. We're like, oh my gosh, and I got to get up. My heart's racing. I go upstairs. There's this huge leak right by our chimney. And so I go up there and put a bucket up there. Then I come back down, and I go back and check on it the next day. And it's like another, the bucket's almost full. So I go up, I grab another bucket, and I'm standing um, on the, the studs. And I put one bucket on like one joist, and then another bucket over here by this. And I'm like transferring water to this. Well, this bucket falls. And this, all the sheetrock was, was really like mushy and not hard uh, anymore. And, and so as it falls, my foot slips and my foot just goes through like that. Like I had no time to even grab because I was grabbing for the bucket. So then my leg and my arm are already here. It's dark in our room. And I, I start to flip and I start to turn and I fall all the way on my back, 
about eight to nine feet, and I just land on my back. I think I'm joking. Look at this picture. There I am. There's my towel on the treadmill. Isn't that beautiful? It's about what it's good for. It's good for hanging clothes too. Um, but look at my, look at, literally I fell. That is my head. That is my shoulders. That is my, like, how am I not dead? So I don't really care how this sermon goes. My life is good, people. I am, I am feeling great about life, all right? I mean, for real. Like, I landed, my gluteus maximus hit that weight bar on the, like, that's tile there too, on my back, in the dark. I blacked out, I got up. I'm like, literally my first thought is, am I alive? And then my second thought is, can I move? I mean, I don't know how that I actually am alive in that. Uh, but my point is, is this, that dripping, that, that little beating of the water, it, it transformed and it, it eventually turned into a completely destructive uh, area. It, it, it was something that was just very small, but eventually um, it was life-threatening to me, right? I mean, it destroyed my, it almost destroyed my life in just having to deal with it. And, it, and that's, that's what he's talking about here with complaining and what it does to us and how it does it to us. You can look at it from one extreme to the other. You can look at it from just a little nagging, grumbling, mumbling under your breath to the, you just downright, like, I'm just complaining, I'm just mad, and I'm just gonna be, you know, completely upset, and I'm just gonna be just, you know, I'm gonna tell my family, I'm gonna tell my people, I'm gonna tell my coworkers, I'm just gonna tell them exactly what I think all the time, I don't care about them, right? You can take it to both extremes, but at the end of the day, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is where the enemy has us. This is what the enemy wants from us. There's a quote that says, complaining proves nothing but that you can hear the voice of the enemy. It just, you're constantly bombarded with things are not enough, stuff is not enough. I'm going to fix this. I got to make this happen. I'm going to blame other people. I'm just going to feel guilty, so I'm going to grumble about myself because I'm not good enough. That's the voice of the enemy. It's constantly talking to us in that way. You know, Paul even addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when he was talking to the church of Corinth, and he's just saying, hey, remember? Remember back in Exodus? Remember the Israelites? Remember what happened to them? God delivered them from slavery. God helped them escape by opening up the Red Sea. God had a promised land for them, but they continued grumbled. They continually complained. They continually built idols for somebody else to come and save them to worship. He provided food for them. He provided water for them. He provided more food for them. He provided ways out for them. But they continued to grumble and they continued to complain. And what happened was a whole, thousands of people were destroyed because of that. First Corinthians 10, 10, this is what Paul's telling them. He's telling the church of Corinth and he's saying, like, listen, remember this? Remember when this happened way back in the day? Remember what happened to uh, those who were before us? Verse 10, and don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Complaining leads to destruction period. 
So how do we conquer complaining? Like, what do we do with that? Okay, I know you're beating me down with, I know I don't need to complain. Complaining is destructive. Well, what do we do with that? How do we conquer it? Well, if you're taking notes, here's number one. How do we conquer complaining? First of all, we have to allow God to work in you. Allow God to work in you. It takes work. And that work is God working in you. That work is that God is working in you. You open up your heart to God. You listen to God. You say, God, I need your help. I need you. Like someone who's a good listener, there's someone who, who don't, the, someone who's not a good listener will say like, okay, I figured it, I got it, I got you. Someone who's a good listener, they say, I need to learn this again. I need to hear this again. W- allow God to work in you daily. Allow God to work into, in your life, reading his word, spending time with him, being around people, fellowshiping with people around his word, what he wants, what he's about. It's been going on for generations and generations. We have to allow God to work in us daily for us to be able to understand. We have to move towards going, God, okay, help me to do this. Help me to do this better. Help me to repent from this. I'm sorry. I'm going the long way. I had a bad attitude. God, work in me today. It's, it's very similar to working out, right? You, you have this body and we're trying to get into summer fitness and trying to get in bathing suits and we're trying to go to the beach or whatever. And it's like, we're in there lifting weights and we're running ourselves to death and sweating pounds of, you know, sweat. And it's just like, we're doing all this and we're eating healthier so that we can be able to be in shape so we can look good and so we can feel good about ourselves. Well, what you're doing is you're working, you're working on what you already have. You, you're starting from your starting place, wherever you are, old, young, small, big, whatever it is, whatever you, you're working with what you have. And that's what he says in verse 12, right? He says this, work out your own salvation with, with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You start where you're at. You don't, have to, you don't have to get your life together to come to God. No, 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 God knows this. I, I, he knows where you're at. He knows our heart. He knows how wicked it is. In fact, the number two is this. So after you allow God to work in you, as you be- begin to, to understand that, number two is this, you own up to every word. Own up to every word that comes out of your mouth. Here's the decision that you have to make today. When God means everything, he means Everything. Everything. God wants us to be pure and blameless. He wants to pursue holiness. He wants us to shine brighter than anyone else in this world so that his good pleasure will be shown out to all the world. His glory will be shown out to the world. Complaining does not help us. Complaining does not work. God works in us. God works through us. So we have to own up to every word. Everything that comes out of our heart, we have to own up to that. I mean, dads, that's a, that's a hard place to start. Every action, every word that comes up to us. So we have to teach our children what it looks like to ask for forgiveness, what it looks like to repent, what it looks like to humble ourselves before God. We are pictures of that. We don't look like we have it all together. There are many questions that your kids are going to ask you that you do not have the answer to, that you failed miserably at. And that's okay. Because God is so much bigger than that, right? Why? Because what the devil means, uh, his purpose is for evil and destruction, God can use for good. Why and how? Well, because 
we are going to allow him to work in our life and we are going to own up to it. And in through that, his glory is going to be manifested. We are going to, we are going to, our old self is going to be put away and our new self is going to rise up. We are going to create a generation that learns how to serve, learns how to give, learns how to be not about themselves, be about others. Did I uh, ever tell y'all about the time that I threw my phone at the referee? Okay, no? Uh, yeah, I don't tell that one much. So uh, one time, my, my brother, he's a basketball coach at North Texas. Uh, he's a head men's basketball coach. He was actually the head coach at Midland Junior College. He was in the national championship game in Hutchinson, Kansas. Okay, have an indoor water park. And there's about 10,000 people at this little small town in Kansas. And they love some junior college basketball. And we're in the national championship. And we're sitting on uh, the, the uh, little bleachers behind the goal. And we are about three rows up. And I have my phone and I'm texting my, my sister, telling the, the score to the game. And as we're kind of keeping up with it. And, you know, it just, I'm excited. I play college basketball, I play junior college basketball. And so it's just, I have affinity for it. And, but I just love sports in general. And so I, I'm sitting there. And then all of a sudden, there's a play that's happening. And there's like cheerleaders right here in front of us. And I'm like, travel! And as I say travel, my phone just goes, and it goes, and it's like slow motion. It's like, and I feel like it just like, just went into like a thousand pieces at the same time. Boom. It hits right at the cheerleader's feet, and then it just slides out right at the feet of the referee. And he actually blew the whistle before that. And I like slowly, I mean, it's just quiet. And I just walk out, and I'm still in my mind, I really feel like it went into a thousand pieces. But as I get closer, I'm like, it's still together. It's just all in one piece. And I'm, I'm just walking past the cheerleaders. I'm like, sorry, sorry. I like pick the phone up. I'm like, good call, ref. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I go back up there, but there's like these moments where it's like, oh, that was not good. <laughs> Bad Josh, pastor guy. So... But what, you get the picture, right? I mean, how easy is it? Like referees, I feel like, number one, they're, they're the ones that are the easiest to be able to cl- complain and grumble at. I mean, it's just so easy. Uh, and, and, and you just, they miss every call. And you get them all and they don't, right? And from your perspective. But at the end of the day, you realize if you were put in that spot, then it would be impossible for you to be able to make the same calls. But, at, but you know what? You don't have to worry about it because you can just complain and control it. I mean, you can just complain and grumble and... and and you can just be mad at somebody to be mad at somebody. And everybody does it. That's why one of the, uh, the economically, like the, one of the fastest uh, uh, growth engines for, uh, for our monetary gain is through athletics. I mean, I could go on on it. We digress. Okay. So ultimately what I'm trying to say is this. Sports to me was an idol. And it is an idol. It's always been an idol. And it's been something that really whenever I get to this where I start to own up to every word, uh, and when I say every word and every thought, uh, there's a part of me where the enemy, he can grab it there. And, and, and I can just continually uh, really move in that vein. When I talk to people, I can just grumble and grumble for days. I can complain and grumble for days on certain things that I didn't think happened right or should have But that's exactly what God wants from us. He wants us to take Whatever it is in our heart 
that becomes an idol, which is so easy to come in an idol. And he wants us to say, hey, let's take inventory of that. And let's move that in the right direction. And the only way that we can do that is if we realize that God has to work in us. Not us working really hard and doing everything, right? It's like something that we already have. It's God in us. That's what we're working out. That's what we're owning up to is that God exposes these things. And then we move forward and we learn from that because God is God's work in us. And God's work, he's so full of grace. He's so full of grace and so full of mercy. The last one is this. Rejoice first with others. Be glad for others. Be glad, be glad for others. It's, this is a practical, this is a practical one that you can just walk away with today. What's your first response? How do you respond during transactions, during opportunities where you have conflict, uh, when there's anything in your life, what is your first response? Is it a negative one or is it a positive one? Is it one of rejoicing? Is it one of being glad? Is it one of gratefulness? I mean, Paul's in jail. Paul's just like, he's been shipwrecked. Uh, there's, there's many situations that are just life-threatening and terrible. And he just says, rejoice, be glad. I learned to find contentment in everything that I do. Like, that is a great example. That's, it, Adam did it with Eve. God was like, hey, well, where'd you get that? And he's like, Eve. It's so easy for us to be able to cast blame. It's so easy for us to point at other people. The hardest thing for us to do is to be able to reserve what we say. All those words that are coming out of our mouth. How do we stop? How do we stop? How do we learn to listen? How do we not just get caught up? You remember, these brains are building highways. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. Does it mean it? But when he means everything, does he, when he says everything, does he mean it? everything? Yes, it's worth it. Why is it worth it? So I'll end with the story. Um, so my parents grew up in a town uh, in Parker County in Weatherford, Texas, and uh, there was this pizza place that we went to all the time. And uh, I, I went to Irving High School, but I, I've lived in Weatherford for about 15 years. And uh, and the pizza place is called the pizza place. <laughs> and it's just this little small dive. And the owner's got him, Roger Gazard. Roger uh, has been in that community for a long time. He, that pizza place has been there for over 50 years. The, um, he started it out of Tarleton University with the same Mr. Gaddy's guy. They were going to go together. But then Mr. Gaddy's guy, he was like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And he was like, well, I'm going to do my own thing. But they have, both had the same sauce. Anyways, just a little tidbit for you. Um, and... Uh, so Roger was, he taught at the high school, he taught economics. He coached a little bit, then he ended up teaching uh, economics at the high school. The reason why I tell you this is because Roger was uh, just a staple in that community. I mean, he, he loved the community. He served, it was funny because he taught economics, but literally his store never grew. He never had any money. He never, like, his bathrooms are terrible. Um, and it's just, it's just a gross place with just tons of love, uh, just tons of love. And he never made any money because he gave half of his pizzas away. And I'm, that's not even an exaggeration. It didn't matter if it was a school function or if it was uh, weddings or if someone was sick. He was always just coming and bringing food and he was always loving on people and he was there at a drop of a hat. 
I mean, a drop of the hat, like he would do it. And he didn't never, he never stopped working. Uh, he just loved it that much. Um, even my grandmother, she, uh, he was a deacon at the church, that's the First Baptist Church there. And, uh, and every week, he had a group of people that he kind of oversaw and, and he helped. And uh, he brought my grandmother a, a meal every week. And every time that I would go into the pizza place, uh, every time I'd go in the pizza place, my wife and I, for over 10 years on Wednesday at lunch, we would go to the pizza place. We'd go um, get a pizza, a salad, and a drink, and an Otis Monkemeyer cookie with some M&Ms for free. Um, he would give it to us for 10 bucks for two of those. And uh, we'd go upstairs in our little spot and, uh, but every time that I came in, honestly, 80% of the times that I came in, he would come out from under the de- behind the desk, and it was packed, and he would hug me, and he would be like, I love you, I love your family, thank you for serving the Lord, and he would say, there's no better people in this world than John and Judy Mohan, which is my grandparents, and then he would just talk with us. Um, the reason why I'm telling you a story, and the reason why it's actually been a sad week, it's last Sunday, um, he died in a car wreck. And, um, and it, was, it was hard uh, because he was such a giving, loving person. I'm telling you, thousands of people, thousands of people were affected by Roger's life, the way that he loved them and the way that he served them. And I tell you this because God's economy is different than the world's economy. And God is at work. And it's, life is too short for us to put our value and point our purposes towards, towards things that are not going to last. If you want to be selfish that are not going to last for you in the abundant life that God promises you, but not only that, it's not going to last for the next generation. Can we be repentant people who learn and start where we're at and move towards God's good purposes and not the purposes that the enemy wants us to focus on in the flesh? Can we be people who allow God to work in us? Even in the hardest, most sweaty, whenever it's Thursday or Friday and you're in camp and those kids are super annoying, and you're just wanting to go home or you want to eat pizza. Can you give everything? Like, let's don't focus on without grumbling and complaining. Can you do everything with your heart? It's pointed in the direction of God's economy that serves people, that loves people, that gives because those are the things that really matter. Somebody this week was like, can I door dash you some food for moving? I thought, man, how easy is it? They didn't have to prepare it. They just had somebody deliver it to me. I'm like, think about all the ways that you can rejoice, that you can bring joy to people, that it's just super simple. I long for a church that does that, that shines so bright that we love people well. Our church, 
this, this summer, we have many service opportunities. We have camp, middle school camps leaving. But we have all these service opportunities. If you go to firstcollieville.com slash love local, there's just ways for you to be able to serve as a family and love, get out of the community. But this is simpler than that. It's just, just encourage people. Rejoice first. Don't let the world come and be reactionary. You don't have to save people. Jesus already did that on the cross. You get to be you. Complaining doesn't work, but God works. Let's let him work in our life.